This is the Well-Connected Twin Cities Podcast. I'm Lily Zaborowski. And I'm Alex Stahlberger. And we're here to help you feel empowered to own your well-being and discover what's possible. Tune in for conversations with local professionals as they share their inspirations, insights, and discoveries that make holistic healing possible. We're sharing the fascinating stories from within the wellness industry for health enthusiasts like you across the metro. Self-advocacy has the power to change your life, but how do you build self-advocacy skills while navigating a life-altering medical experience? Our guest this week is Talea Dendi. She is a cancer doula who is effectively spreading empowerment through self-advocacy. She shares how we all can develop stronger advocacy tools and also highlights why self-advocacy is more important than ever during the current COVID-19 pandemic. And don't worry, you don't need to be a medical expert to be an effective advocate. Welcome to this week's episode of the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast. This week, our topic is self-advocacy. Self-advocacy has the power to change our health experience. Um, something that I'm, I personally am really excited to speak deeply about is this idea of what happens when we become so empowered to take control of our well-being that the way we go to doctor's visits start to shift. The way we ask questions starts to change. Yet we know that advocating for ourselves in front of friends and family can be tough, let alone standing in the same room as somebody wearing a white coat. So when I thought about bringing this topic to, uh, to you, our audience, um, I wondered you know, who best to speak on this topic and Talea Dendi came right to mind. She is a fierce self-advocate herself. We're going to hear her experience um, as well as she is in the business of teaching others to really harness uh, those tools for their own own well-being, especially during uh, their journey through navigating cancer, what that means through our healthcare system. So I'm here. Talea, welcome to the show. Talea Dendi is a cancer doula. Um, her business, On the Other Side, provides personalized supports that addresses emotional, navigational, educational, and practical needs of the people that have been impacted by cancer. We're thrilled to have her experience and her expertise here on the show. Welcome. Hi, Alex. Thank you for having me. Well, we're just honored that you're here to share your experience and help us understand how we might become better advocates for ourselves or the loved ones around us. So self-advocacy, you are an expert. And I love what you've told me in our previous conversations that you really don't have to be a medical expert to be a self-advocacy expert. And uh, before we go in too deep in that, Talia, I would love for you to share with us your deeply personal journey to how you got to becoming the cancer doula you are today. Sure, Alex. So nine years ago, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I had never really been sick before besides the common flu. And so really it just came out of nowhere. I had no idea how I was going to get through this um, because I never had much experience with cancer. I had only heard what everyone else has heard, you know, about how you lose your hair, chemotherapy is a nightmare, that kind of thing. 
And so um, while on my cancer journey, I noticed that even though I had the support of my family, I had a really good oncologist and we had a great relationship, I noticed that there was something missing. And that was the emotional piece. Having someone to talk to who had been through a similar experience and who could navigate me through the process, which would have helped to ease a lot of the anxiety and stress that I was experiencing because of so much uncertainty. And so one thing that I noticed right away is that, you know, the healthcare system and healthcare providers are really focused on treating the cancer. And a lot of times the whole person is not taken care of. And so mm -hmm. I said to myself, if I'm feeling this way, there must be other people that are feeling this way as well. And so I've taken my personalized experience to help others along their cancer journey. Yes. Yes. And you know, I, why you do that work is, I mean, it's obviously very, very apparent. Like you do the work because it would have made such an impact on your own journey. Yes. Yeah. Gosh. Um, so where did, where did you study? What kind of training? How do you, like, what goes into your work as a cancer doula beside that deeply personal experience and um, kind of cultivating that ex experience through your own? Absolutely. So I will start off by saying a lot of my experience is just real life experience, thing that I, things that I've learned along the way. Secondly, I have a coaching certification that focuses on the basic coaching principles. And what I found, Alex, is that there's not a lot of programs that focus specifically on cancer. And so that is one thing that I'm hoping to be able to do in the future is create a curriculum for other people who are interested in becoming cancer doulas. Um, so really real life experience matched with my innate ability to be a good listener, be very empathetic, and then also the coaching principles that I've gathered from my coaching certification. Absolutely. Oh, yes. And also, I mean, I know based on our conversations, things in cancer world are always changing and you are up to date on those things through your commitment to reading journals, medical journals, magazines, understanding where things are going and evolving. Yes, it's so important for me to stay on top of different clinical trials, different news that's going on in the medical industry, in the medical world, because the people that I support, sometimes they're looking for that information. Sometimes they want to have a better understanding of how, you know, cancer forms. What is cancer really? Um, you know, just different clinical trials that may be helpful for the people that I serve, giving them more information so that they have more options. Yes. Well, and how cool to be able to think about bringing some sort of training program into existence so there could be more of you doing this important work. I just consider the impact. That's incredible. Yes. I'm hoping. <laughs> stand. Yes. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. Yes, please. <laughs> but let's back up a second. So cancer doula, many of those listening may not have heard of those, those two words put together, and some may not have heard of doula. So can you give us a, a definition? How would you describe what a doula is? And then more specifically, how does a cancer doula really show up for, for that type of support? 
Absolutely. So in a general sense, a doula is someone who provides personalized support to someone who is facing a major life change and a significant health-related experience. And cancer fits into both of those categories. As we all know, birth doulas focus on the beginning of life. And of course, death doulas focus on the end of life. I always tell my clients, we're here in the present. We're trying to navigate this thing that has basically shown up in your life. And we're, we're, we're focused on the present so that we can help you get past this, focus on your healing, and focus, focus on what's next after you know, you've um, made it through your cancer, cancer experience. So really it's focusing on the present, figuring out how we can navigate this thing called cancer and then move forward. So as a cancer doula, um, what I do is I provide that personalized support. I hold their hand. I walk them through their cancer journey. I serve as someone who that they can come to with their questions, concerns, fears, um, any emotions that they're experiencing, um, things related to their job, financial problems that they may be having. And no, I'm not the expert on all of these things, but I have a lot of resources and I typically know where to go so that they can get the support that they need for the different areas that are impacted in their life. So tell me a bit about when you begin working with somebody and when do you typically end working with somebody? What does that journey look like from start to finish in regard to your relationship with your clients? So it really depends on when they reach out to me. Typically, most of the people that I've worked with so far, they have already started their cancer treatment. And so it could be as soon as they're diagnosed and they're reaching out for support because they're like, you know, this is overwhelming. I don't know. It's just too much information. I don't know what to do. And then there's people that reach the treatment phase and they're like, okay, you know, I'm sick all the time. I'm just feeling overwhelmed and depressed. I just need to get through this. And so it really depends on the client and when they feel like they're ready for help. Now, my support doesn't end there. If they want to continue on into survivorship, because that's a whole different animal in itself, figuring out what to do next now that you've made it through the treatment phase and your life looks different now. So it really depends on the client and how long they want my support. So it truly is not only unique and personalized throughout the experience, but actually the length of time is customized as well based on what the person needs. Yes. And I always say um, it's about what matters to the client. You know, if we start out and we say, okay, let's work together for three months. The client says, yep, I think three months is a good period of time. If three months comes and goes and they say, Talia, I think I would like your support a little bit longer. We'll just keep on working together. And so even if a client decides that at the end of, for example, three months, the relationship just doesn't end. There isn't just this cut off at three months. I tack on an additional 30 days and say, okay, I'm going to back up a little bit and I want to see how you're able to adjust. I want to see how you're going to use the tools and techniques that we've worked 
on together so that you can move forward. I'm here just in case you need me for the next 30 days, you know? So it's not that just, okay, bye, I'm done. And then they're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the tools and techniques and we'll get there in just a moment. But before we do, what do you wish people understood about the support that's really necessary when they navigate these life-changing medical experiences? Well, you know, having someone who has been through a similar experience and having someone to um, walk through it with you is a huge, huge factor and a huge strength because it takes some of that burden off of you. And it allows you to breathe a little bit and to focus more on healing. And, you know, it's been proven that having that kind of support really helps the patient and the client as opposed to just evidence-based knowledge sharing. For example, you know, um, do this to feel better or do that, but having someone to really walk you through it and say, hey, okay, what, what's working, what's not? Let's try to um, readjust this and see what works best for you. So I just think that people need to realize that cancer and any chronic illness impacts so many different areas of one's life. And it just, it, it doesn't end. For example, when the cancer treatment ends, it's not over. It takes a while to get back to whatever that new normal looks like. So let's dig into those tools and techniques, specifically around self-advocacy. Why is self-advocacy so important? It's very important because it's a tool that's needed to be able to navigate our, our healthcare system um, because things are constantly changing because there's so many different layers. It's really required. You have to be able to speak up for yourself. You have to be clear about your outcome and your quality of life that you'd like to have. And also it just, it's good to um, give you the confidence to be able to talk to your healthcare provider so that they understand what it is that you want and what it is that you need. How would you say that having these self-advocacy tools and techniques can really effectively change somebody's healthcare experience? Absolutely. So it can really improve their patient outcome. Um, it helps the patient feel like They've had a say-so in their healthcare. And when someone feels like that, typically they will stick to the um, healthcare protocol or they'll be more compliant, so to speak. So in other words, if their doctor says, you know, you need to take this medication for the next six months. Well, if the patient has advocated for themselves, that means they've asked questions. They understand how taking this medication will affect them. They understand what their treatment plan is, how this will benefit them, you know, how it will affect their quality of life. What are the pros? What are the cons? If they feel like they've had some part in this decision, they won't feel like something was forced on them. They are now invested in their own in their outcomes. Yes, yes. And so it's it's more so like, you know, yes, I decided that this is the best thing for me 
as opposed to feeling like someone has done something to you or said, push something on you and said, this is what you need to do or you have to do. Gosh, that's a lesson we can take for all areas of life, is it not? (laughs) So you talk about cultivating these habits. So you say it's important to know how to voice what exactly it is we want, or it well, or even know what we want, what what things are important or value, truly valuable to us. Um, so once we know what we want, we also have to know how we're going to get that. How would you describe the actual cultivation of some of these self-advocacy habits? What does that look like? Absolutely. So really, it's getting in tune with your body getting in tune with the things that make you happy, the things that you really don't want to have to um, deal with, or you'd rather not deal with, knowing yourself, paying attention to your body, and speaking up when something doesn't feel right. And for some people, you know, this is something that, you know, we have to practice. And for other people, you know, they're in tune, they're ready to go, they know what they want, They know when they feel something in their body, it doesn't, you know, that's not right. I'm going to call someone. So it really has, it starts with you. And it starts with getting in tune with your mind and also your body because they work together. Yes. So for example, I work with a client And she was really, she would get really nervous whenever it was time for her to get chemotherapy. And she wouldn't tell her nurse. And she, the nurse would give her the normal dose of nausea, anti-nausea medication. And it wouldn't be enough because she's so worked up, she's so nervous on and on. And so she would end up throwing up anyway because number one, she's, she's anticipating this thing happening to her. And so I, we had this conversation and I said, you know, you have to speak up. You have to share this with your nurse. And so she did this at her next appointment and she told her nurse, you know, I get really nervous when I come here. And even though you give me the anti-nausea medication, I end up throwing up anyway. I don't think that what you're giving me is enough because I've already built up this anxiety prior to coming. And then on top of the chemotherapy, what you're giving me is not enough. And so she had this conversation with not not only her nurse, but her oncologist. And her oncologist made sure that she got more than what they were usually giving her of the anti-nausea medication. And she emailed me because she was so happy that this next time she didn't, you know, she didn't vomit because she spoke up and said, hey, this is what I'm experiencing prior to me coming to my appointment. This is what I'm experiencing with the amount of anti-nausea medication you're giving me. It's simply not working. You know, due to my anxiety, I need to have more. And so that improved her outcome. Because number one, she realized that this this anxiety was causing her to get sicker and uh, feel more nausea than normal, but she wasn't speaking up. She wasn't saying anything. And so by having this conversation with her, 
and pinpointing when certain things were happening, but then also pinpointing where she wasn't taking action. This allowed her to, you know, say, hey, I need to speak up because, you know, this anxiety is causing me to feel sicker and they're simply not giving me enough of the medication. Yes. What I love you painted that picture, but what that really paints is that each body is so unique and responds so uniquely that in each person's values are so different that what they're going to want to voice and when will be different from one to the other. I love that that process is highlighting where, where your power is and whether or not you'd like to exercise that power. Exactly. And that's really what talking through that with my client was all about is saying, hey, you have the power to speak up. You have a right to speak up and you have a right to get what you need. So again, that's knowing what you need and when you need it, but it requires you to step back and get in tune with yourself. Yeah. I love how that also parallels really lovely with, with your story as well. If you had asked yourself, what is it that I need, or this doesn't feel right to me and really owned that power, things might, may have been different for you as well. Exactly. Because, um, because I had no really a lot of education about cancer. I knew that I had to, to be able to get through that. I knew that I had to become educated about cancer itself, but then also about what was it that I really needed to get through this thing. And I knew that I needed, you know, to lean on my spiritual beliefs. I knew that um, I needed emotional support, which, you know, came from my family and they did the best that they could. I think it would have been better, as I mentioned earlier, you know, had I had the support of someone who had experienced something similar, because it would have um, taken away some of the uncertainty, you know, and then I really had to think, Alex, about what did I want my life or my quality of life to look like once I had decided on my treatment and completed treatment. And so based on the quality of life that I wanted, my understanding of the side effects of these particular treatments and talking it through with my doctor, asking specific questions, um, making sure I understood the side effects and all these different things, you know, allowed me to make an educated based decision about my health care. And really, this is what self-advocacy is all about, is, you know, asking questions until you understand, and it's okay to ask the same question several times. It's forming a partnership with your healthcare provider and making sure they understand that this is a partnership, speaking up for yourself and making sure that you are clear on the quality of life and your expected well outcome. Would you say in both your own experience and the experience that you've gotten to witness through cultivating these skills in others, that self-advocacy is something that switches on and switches off? Like there's a light bulb moment when things connect and you're able to fiercely advocate for yourself or is it truly a practice 
um, something that you cultivate and, and gain over time and through experience, or maybe a mixture of both? You know, Alex, I would say for me personally, it was both. And of course, you know, it can be different from person to person. But for me and the journey that I've been on, it's been both. Um, there was a time that I probably should have self-advocated for myself and I didn't. But when I was diagnosed with cancer, I knew. I said, if I want to get through this thing, I have to step up. I have to take control and empower myself. And empowering myself, it, it entails all the things that we discussed so far. And so it, it was just something in me that just came alive. It was something that I knew had to be done. And that's why I want other people to understand that you have it within you. It's just a matter of getting that confidence and unleashing it, you know, and saying, hey, this is my life. I have a choice. Yes. Yes. I <laughs> love everything you're saying. I think it's important that we ask this question of ourselves, and I would love to hear your opinion on it. So self-advocacy during this COVID era, how have you seen the, this, these tools change, the need to exercise self-advocacy? How has that changed, if at all? You know, the need, oh boy, it's, it's now, it's, oh boy, <laughs> just getting the words because of the stories that I've heard. It's so important now more than ever, especially for people who are living with cancer and other chronic illnesses. It is so important now more than ever to advocate for yourself. I have talked with people who have had their chemotherapy appointments canceled. I have talked to people who have had their surgeries canceled. And mind you, these are people that are already experiencing a ton of anxiety, stress, depression, all these things. And their life could depend on getting the chemotherapy, getting the, the required surgeries that they need. And so it's important to speak up and say, hey, I understand that COVID's going on. You know, it's important for me and the healthcare providers to be safe. However, we need to put together a plan so that I can get the care that I need. And so it's so, so, so important to stay on top of making sure you voice what your needs are. Okay, you need to cancel my chemotherapy appointment. We need to have a plan because I need to stay on track so that I can get the care that I need that could potentially save my life. What is the plan? And you keep asking and you keep saying, this is what I need. What is our plan? And I think that that is so critical because I get the impression that if you just hang up that phone after they call and cancel your appointment, you're not going to hear from them for, for some time because of all the different things that are going on with COVID. So this is a time where you have to step up. You have to make those calls. You have to keep those conversations going. You can't sit back and wait for someone to come to you and say, well, you know, we have an appointment for you now. You know, um, you have to stay on top of it. Take control, you know, because it's your health. 
it's your life. Yes. So how do people get in touch with you? How do people work with you? If we have somebody listening right now that says, yes, I, I need your services or yes, I care for somebody who needs your services or how best do they connect with you? Absolutely. So my website is on the other side that life. So that's one way. And you can go to my website and um, fill out the contact form there. Um, you can send me an email at uh, talaya, T-A-L-A-Y-A, at ontheotherside.life. Um, they can give me a call, which they'll see on my website as well. Um, I also have a free Facebook group called Navigating Cancer Together, and I'm in the process of growing that group. So that's another way to connect with me and other people that um, are living with cancer or are cancer survivors and caregivers. And um, I just want to know that I work with uh, clients virtually. So we can do uh, sessions, one-on-one -on -one sessions over the phone or via Zoom and um, also in person. But right now I prefer to do it virtually. And then also... I offer a free 45-minute one-on-one call where we can discuss different challenges and barriers that someone may be facing, and we put together an action plan to figure out how to start working through those challenges and barriers. Wonderful. Wonderful. And we'll have all of your links on the, in the, show Ooh, on the show notes page. Excuse me. <laughs> we'll have all of those. So it'll be really simple for if you're listening right now, just head over to the show notes page and you can click on any of those live links. Um, and to kind of close our conversation today, if there are those caretakers listening to this conversation, what types of resources do you often recommend to build self-advocacy skills for themselves or a loved one? Yes. Um, for caregivers, I think it's very important to number one, take care of yourself. Make sure you're getting the proper rest and nutrition and exercise and make sure you're taking breaks um, because you have to be your best self to care for your friend or loved one. So that's the first thing that I say. There are uh, three other organizations actually that I um, recommend, you know, for caregivers that want to find support groups and things like that. Um, the first one is Cancer Care and um, they can be found at cancercare.org. So that's one resource. The other one is Family uh, Caregiver Alliance, and that is at caregiver.org. And the third one is National Alliance for Caregiving. And um, that can, they can be found at caregiving.org. So caregiver.org, caregiving.org, and cancercare.org. Um, but I will mention that I do um, actually work with caregivers also, and we just work on strategies about how they can best support their loved one and how to take care of themselves. Um, because a lot of times caregivers are navigating their family, work, finances, taking care of the home, and also taking care of their loved one. So that is a, a hefty, hefty, hefty job. And uh, we have to make sure our caregivers are taken care of as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, experience, knowledge sharing. 
We just so appreciate hearing from you. And again, on behalf of everybody listening, thank you for the work that you're doing to really cultivate an empowered approach to healthcare, discovering what's possible when we decide that we want to take control. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Alex. And thanks for sharing your platform. I appreciate it. You've listened to another episode of the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast. We regularly sit down with our local wellness professionals and get the inside scoop into what makes holistic healing possible. Check out our events page at wellconnectedtwincities.com and look for the next Thrive Thursday. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at Well Connected Twin Cities so we can say thank you.